Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are back with some more team previews, and this time we are covering two teams from the NFC North, my current town, Chicago Bears, and the Green Bay Packers. And I'm joined by resident Packers fan, Matt. How's it going, man? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Glad to, glad to be on the podcast finally. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you on. Had to have you on to defend your Packers takes. Uh, there's some that I assume we're going to be in step-for-step uh, -step agreement with and some that potentially not. Uh, so why don't why don't we start there? Um, we we both are, are based in Chicago, so there's some different, um, different opinions that we have uh, being around a bunch of Bears fans as well. Uh, but let's start off with talking about Jordan Love because – Quite frankly, we know very little about him. Uh, what we do know is that last season in college, he had essentially the worst profile for someone picked as highly as he was in a very long time. So of quarterback of 64 quarterbacks with 350 plus dropbacks in college, and remember, this is this is including colleges where the quarterbacks aren't very good. He was 44th in completion percentage. He was last in interceptions, last in touchdown interception ratio at basically one to one. He was fourth to last in turnover worthy play rate. Is he bad? Is he good? What is his job security? What are you expecting from Jordan Love this year? Um, I mean, really, I mean, you kind of uh, covered the main point is that nobody knows. Uh, nobody knows if this guy is going to be good or not. Um, you can find small bits and pieces to make a bull case for him, but you really have to kind of uh, kind of twist the stats to your agenda if you're going to do that. There's not really a great statistical case that I've seen anyway for him. I would say uh, the thing that the thing that Love has in his corner is I trust Matt Lafleur to get the most out of Jordan Love, whatever that is. Maybe that's a league average starter. Maybe that's not even that good. But I trust this coaching staff to get the most out of him. I think they got the most out of Aaron Rodgers. I think they resurrected his career uh, to some degree. Uh, I am very high on the coaching staff that we have, offensive coaching staff of the Packers. Um, but if if I had to guess, I would say, no, he's not good. Um, and that's mainly just plain odds, right? Most quarterbacks are not good. Um, yeah. So... I, I'm skeptical uh, that he's going to be good, but I'm also not uh, convinced that he's bad in any way. I, I really just don't know. I'm To me, this is a fun season to find out. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And the interesting thing with Love is that he is a lot older and more experienced into his career relative to most, you know, young quarterbacks getting their first chance, especially nowadays. It usually happens your rookie year. Uh, if not your second season, he's already entering a point where he has to fight for his contract. So Jordan Love, I think we'll get to it later with one of my later questions, at least at least for my answer. But I, I'm not convinced that Jordan Love should be ranked significantly higher than guys like Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, other players who are recently drafted, who have one year as the starter. And then it's, you know, maybe there's something better out there. Do, do you think that's me going too far or uh, do, do you agree that they could move on after this year? No, I, I definitely think they could move on. If love is bad, I expect them to move on after this year. And part of that is, you know, they do have an additional first round pick next year. If Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps for the Jets, which I would expect that to happen. Um, so they're going to have additional draft capital and, uh, yeah, I like Howell and Ritter. This is a one-year tryout for Love. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. So, do you expect the the passing off, or the, I guess the offense in general, to change uh, with Jordan Love at the helm in terms of like the play calling splits and things like that, or are they trying to just slide Jordan Love into what Aaron Rodgers did? So, I think they're going to pass a little bit less. I did notice that uh, in your projections, you have them right about the same pass rate, I believe, yeah. as, um, as the last couple of years, or at least last year, um, which makes sense to me. I, I would I would probably project it to, I don't know, decrease by a few percentage points. I, I would expect them to try to pass a little bit less. 
Um, I, I, I actually have their neutral uh, passing rate uh, lower, but I have them losing right. a higher percentage of their games. So it's like I have the same thought as you. Like it, it just ended up resulting in the same place. But I, I agree. I think they'll try to run the ball a little bit more. I mean, I think that's the strength of their team because we know that Aaron Jones is a very good player. We know that A.J. Dillon at times has been effective. Um, and I think they're going to try to put Jordan Love in comfortable situations because, as I said earlier, he he threw a lot of interceptions in college. And you could easily see him have games where he throws – you know, three interceptions in his first 10 passes, and then the game is gone before it even started. So I could see them leaning on the run game pretty heavily. Um, anything else were you expected to change? No, I actually, I mean, and that's a good point. I wasn't really thinking of the context that would keep the, the overall pass rate the same because, yeah, I mean, their defense is going to be bad again, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, and their offense is not going to be as good. So, yeah, it stands to reason they're going to trail a little bit more. Um, so, no, I, I think uh, I think everything else looked looked about right. Um, I would uh, – yeah, I, I would expect them to uh, rely a lot on Aaron Jones this year. Um, that, that would be my guess. Yeah, and I, and I do think Aaron Jones is an excellent value right now. Um, we, we can touch on him briefly. I, I've been projected for about, you know, 14, 1500 all-purpose yards, uh, 10 plus touchdowns, 15 points a game, which is a low end RB one. Uh, I, I think this offense is going to be run through him and he's, he's been a very efficient player. He's been a guy who can catch the ball and he's by far the most experienced of any of their pass catching options. I mean, you look at all of their other top six pass catching options combined and they have fewer than a hundred career receptions. So it's, it's just tough to see, sorry, 150 career reception. So it's tough to see Aaron Jones not being kind of the, the main or second target um, in the passing game. I, I haven't projected for the second most receptions uh, as far as that goes. Speaking of the passing game, there's one guy you know I am incredibly high on, on the Packers. I tried to be rational with this projection of Christian Watson. Um, maybe you could tell me, uh, I am not, but I have Christian Watson projected for 77 catches for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, uh, 14 points a game would make him a mid wide receiver too. Uh, is that is that too optimistic? Could I have gone even farther? How do you feel about that? No, I mean, I think that projection looks uh, about right. I will say the 135 targets stood out to me. I, I don't know that he's going to get targeted that often. Um, I do agree that he's going to be the the primary option without like a one B option. There's not like your projections make sense in terms of you have, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, Dobbs, Reed, all you know, and Musgrave even with like a similar target total, and he stands above that, which makes sense to me. But I'm just not over his. I really did not like Christian Watson as a prospect. Um, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Which is what, which is what makes it fun that I just love him right now because, like, just just to tell you where I got the numbers from. Yeah. I I took his snap share and his target rate from week ten on, and that mm -hmm. is just what I plugged in. Um, it. I'm of the opinion. I, I know that you can get into some mistakes like that with Elijah Moore, but I also did that with the Ross A. Brown. So it can yeah. pay off both ways. Christian Watson's a guy who made an incredible improvement. He got 80% plus snaps in six of the last eight games there. And over that point in time, he was 11th in yards per hour run. He was 12th in fantasy points a game. He had five plus targets every game. I think 135 might be aggressive, but I also think I went a little bit low when looking at things like his yards per catch, which I only had at 14 when he had 15 last year. I had his touchdown rate at 6% when he was at 11% last year. Yeah. Obviously, you can't predict 11% again, but I do think he is a big play guy that I'm going to be comfortable starting um, in, you know, weekly lineup leagues. Yeah, um, and that all makes sense to me. Um, like, so kind of before this podcast, I was really trying to build like a skeptic case on Christian Watson, and it's really tough to do. Uh, like, uh, like, I mean, all the numbers are really impressive and the film, I would say backs it up. Like as someone who watched almost every Packers game last year, 
he won me over and he won me over early. Um, like I was like, okay, this guy is really good. Like, um, I have some questions about his ultimate ceiling. I, I don't, I still don't view him as like a alpha wide receiver one on an NFL team. Like that's not how I look at him. I still look at him as almost like Houston, Will Fuller type guy. Like, and that's probably not fair to him necessarily, but Right now, like that would be my biggest question with Watson is, is can, can he do all of the intermediate routes, um, like the comebacks and stuff like that? Uh, I'm not sure he can. I, uh, he has amazing speed. He's very good at playing with his speed, which not a lot of fast guys are. Yeah. Um, like he, he knows how to work angles to get the most out of it. Uh, I do agree he's a big play guy. I do think that eight touchdowns sounds about right for him. Um, so I, I like everything about him. I there there is that ultimate ceiling that I question. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a consistent top ten wide receiver in fantasy, but I know he has all the tools to do it. Uh, outside of, like I said, I'm just not completely sold on some of the route running specifics. Uh, and to me, that what that's what separates him from you know, like a guy like A.J. Brown or whatever, who to me, there was never any question about his route running and his overall wide receiver ability. So I like, yeah, I totally understand. I, I totally understand like both cases. I I think that like, I, I get the hesitation that people say about using the back half splits, but even if you look at his full season, you, you just plug in his yards, his touchdowns, gives you about 40 wide receivers since 2000. That's about two a year who did that as rookies. And 65% of them had at least one wide receiver one season. Um, and it's, you know, full of names, even on the low side, guys like Sammy Watkins, DK Metcalf, Hakeem Nix, you know, guys who had very successful NFL careers. And I think Christian Watson is trending that way. And part of that is, which brings me to my next question, I don't think that there's a really good second option outside of Christian Watson and Aaron Jones on this offense. I'm not projecting Jaden Reed or Dubs or Luke Musgrave to have any fantasy relevancy this season. A am I off anywhere there? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I was surprised because I know you're not a Dobbs guy. I was surprised that he was second in the team in targets in your projections. Um, and I do think that's probably accurate. Um, it's going to be him or Aaron Jones, I think. But Aaron Jones always kind of lives around that 80 target threshold. So um, Dobbs is going to be involved, though, uh, yeah. from a real-life perspective. I kind of agree with you that uh, there's not a lot of ceiling there uh, or even, you know, path to relevancy. Uh, really, I mean, you know, if Dobbs really hits this year, he's going to give you 10 or 11 points a game. Like that's his, that's his upside probably for for now, um, but I, I that's what I want to see though because last year that really if you're going to make any kind of skeptic case on Watson it is that you know, Dobbs was out uh, when he you know took off in the second half of the year and when they were both healthy at the beginning of the year well. There was only like a few weeks uh where right, they Watson started but, and then yeah yeah Watson missed training camp and preseason so they they were never really healthy at the same time yeah. uh except for a few weeks which Dobbs you know had the lead on him for but I do expect Dobbs to be involved in this offense uh there so uh, a lot of the stories from training camp so far have been that uh you know same stuff we heard last year really like but that Dobbs looks really good, that he's involved, that Jordan Love is targeting the middle of the field and him and Dobbs already have a connection there. Um, so I do see Dobbs being, while not useful himself, annoying to the Watson owners, basically. <laughs> like, yeah, and, and, and uh, Dobbs was, yeah, and Dobbs was pretty good last year. I mean, he had a 24% target rate um, and on 63% of routes, he played a fair amount. So if he's getting, you know, a pretty full workload, which I expect to, when he was healthy, he was consistently getting 75, 80 plus percent of the snaps. I, I think it's going to be him and Christian Watson um, when there's only two wide receivers out there. Um, as the slot guy, I think we're going to see some Musgrave in the slot. I think we're going to see some Reed in the slot. 
I, I really think it's going to be um, only Dobbs out there for more than, let's say, 70% of the snaps outside of Christian Watson. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds right to me. And I do think Do- uh, I do think Dobbs is going to have the slot role. I don't know what Jaden Reed is really going to – I don't know his role yet in the offense because um, yeah. – I just looking at some of the stuff on Jaden Reed, it seems like he can play outside. It seems like he can play in the slot. Uh, he returned punts at Michigan State. Uh, they they've already been like training camp clips of him taking reverses and uh, getting scheme touches uh, in training camp. So they're gonna. They're, I think they. I, I know they like Jaden Reed a lot. I don't know what his role is going to be. I I would be surprised if he takes over. Uh, the second option over Dobbs. If he does, that would be pretty exciting to me from a dynasty perspective. If if he yeah. ends up out-targeting Dobbs and being used more than him, because that's kind of what we're looking for. I, I think, uh, you know, even someone like, as a Packers fan, I like Dobbs. Uh, in dynasty, I recognize that, you know, you're not really ever going to get anything other than like a bi-week fill, filler type guy, wide receiver 36 guy. Even if he hits, he's going to be in that wide receiver 30-ish range, very replaceable. Jaden Reed, probably the same type of profile, probably the same type of result, but you don't know. Uh, so like if yeah. he comes out and has a really good rookie year, maybe his ceiling is a little bit higher than people think. Yeah, and a lot of it's just going to depend on Jordan Love. Like, I, I just don't project, I project Jordan Love for 3,600 passing yards, and that's yeah. playing all 17 games. I just don't see him being efficient enough with the football, um, safe enough with the football. I think he's going to have a lot of turnovers, both interceptions and fumbles. But if he's better than I project, even if it's like a Mac Jones rookie year type performance, that could be a slight boost to all of these players. Um, let's move on to the lightning round. Who do you think is the best dynasty value on the team? I think it's Aaron Jones. Yeah, me too. Um, it's it's I have him projected to be a top 12 running back, and he is going significantly after players um, who are, you know, the same age as him, guys like uh, uh, Joe Mixon. Um, I, I, I think Aaron Jones has some decent longevity as well. I, he, you know, the best player on this team. I know this is a lightning round. I'll keep it quick, but. I'd like I've seen people trade Delvin Cook for Aaron Jones recently. It's like that guy doesn't even have a team. Like Aaron yeah. Jones. Yeah, no, totally. It makes no sense. And like Alexander Madison, he he could be terrible. Like Isaiah Pacheco, what's his upside? David Montgomery, same thing. Like I'm yeah. I'm all for Aaron Jones over those over those players for sure. Um, worst dynasty value, by the way, best dynasty value on the team for me. Christian Watson's more expensive than he used to be, so I. I don't know. I think Jones is probably a good call. Uh, worst dynasty value on the team. On the flip side, on the flip side, I'd say it's AJ Dillon. Um, yeah. And because I think Love is valued fairly, um, given his risk reward. Um, so, so I'm I'm curious about that because why? So Jordan Love goes to the 702. At the 902, we have Purdy. At the 910, we have Howell. At the 1012, we have Ritter. At the 1005, we have Mac Jones. Why should Jordan Love be going two to three rounds ahead of those guys I just named? No, I mean, that's that's a fair point. Well, I mean, I don't think Ritter and Howell are any good. Um, Adam, yeah. I, I don't know that Love is good either, but Love has draft capital that those two players don't have. Yeah, um, that's true. Especially Howell. Um, I, I don't have a great answer for that, though. Um, I, I really do think they, like, Love, I would – Love should not be going over Purdy at all. Um, yeah, that's that's one that's that's pretty incredible to me. And like I I don't mean to hate on Jordan Love because honestly I feel the same way about Kenny Pickett. He was going at the seven hundred one back to back with Love. I, yeah. I just think they're they are two of the worst values in the draft at a really important part of startup drafts. Just because you can get the same bet later on, which is you know someone who you don't want to start at QB2, who if they're good, you can start them at QB2, and they may or may not have a job next season. So um, I don't know. That, that's just who I think is the worst value. Who, who who you have had as the worst dynasty value? Oh, you already said A.J. Dillon. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you might you might have sold me on that. I Basically, I only went with A.J. Dillon because he's an absolute guy that I hate rostering in terms of yeah. he actually has some type of value in dynasty, you but can. I don't want to play him and – 
yeah, you can't get any trade value for him, but like he has this mythical hypothetical value and you never want to start him. So he's he's the worst type of player to own. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyone on this team that is like, that might be on waivers in a deep dynasty league that you should look at. I was looking at this question and not really. Um, I mean, you know, based on how we're talking about love, it's you can probably grab his backup, Sean Clifford, uh, right now, and yeah. there's QB three. But like Clifford is an awful prospect. Like, and uh, I don't even know why they drafted him. He seemed like the type of prospect profile that goes undrafted regularly. Clifford is Clifford is terrible. Like, truly, truly terrible. Like, I I, I know we're both in Big Ten country. Like, that guy cannot play quarterback. He he should not have gotten drafted. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, that's why I don't even want to like list him as the answer. Um, no. One thing that's pretty notable about the Packers most of last year they did not have a running back three even dress on game days yeah. uh the ones that they uh the one guy that they would call up from the practice squad is Patrick Taylor uh, a lot of that was for special teams usage uh he's not any good so there there's not really like a deep RB3 to you know kind of pick it up is, on Rangers, so, so the one guy I'm seeing picked up occasionally is Dontavian Wicks uh, do you know anything about him I don't know anything about him not really. Uh, like I've, I'll say the little bit I've seen on his uh, prospect profile is not impressive. Um, but yes, he is a guy that I, I'm at like 25% roster ship just because he's free and like uh, you can go grab him. But like I haven't really heard anything from training camp that's like bullish at all on him. So yeah, I, no, I, I don't expect much. I mean, Tucker Craft is a guy that I like late for free, but he's not free. You're usually, you usually can't get him on waivers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's your prediction for win-loss record? So I I can't be bullish here. Uh, I, like we were we have a big quarterback downgrade and most of the rest of the team is the same. I, uh, it's hard to Hard to say better than seven and ten. I, so I would say seven and ten, with the caveat being, uh, it could look a lot like Rogers' first year as a starter, where they went six and ten, and everybody was thrilled after the season, and they're like, "Oh man, we got ourselves a guy here." Um, so I, I mean, even if Love is good, I would expect the team to struggle. Yeah, and, and you said earlier, you know, significantly below average defense. I don't see why they would have an above average offense. But they have uh, the worst the defensive coordinator in the NFL. Yeah, and the, the offensive coordinator is is great and can lift up the offense, but I I don't know if uh, if that's going to be enough. So I I agree. I, I think you know that's part of the reason why you might not invest in Jordan Love. It's because if they get a top ten pick and they have um, that Jets pick to trade, maybe they can move up to the top five and get a quarterback. Um, do you have any questions for me about the Packers before we move on to Chicago? No, uh, not really. I was, I, we kind of already touched on it, but like one of the questions cool. that stood out to me was kind of like how much of Watson's prospect profile do you throw out the window? Like it sounds like mostly all of it by now. So the, the reason that I throw a lot of it out is because it was, it had nothing to do with the NFL. And that's why I didn't think it was a good prospect profile is because like, for those who don't know, he played at North Dakota where they ran the ball like 80% of the time. Yeah. Christian Watson had like 30 targets. All of them had an A dot of like 28. It was just like, it wasn't, a, it was a high school offense, right? Where like yeah. they just ran the ball and threw it downfield to him. So for that reason, I, I throw a lot of it away. I, I think we saw enough in the NFL that, you know, it, it, it still factors in. So, for instance, like, I think he had a better, uh, like, rookie season, like, than Traylon Burks. So, even though Traylon Burks had a much better prospect profile, I do have Watson above Burks right now. So, you, you yeah, can throw a lot of it out once they get NFL snaps. Speaking of a player with a very good prospect profile and a questionable NFL profile, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. And according to the locals, future Hall of Famer, doesn't matter. He was the worst passer in the NFL last season, Justin Fields. Um, I think that's where we have to start because what I just said, people might think I'm crazy. Yeah, he had a terrible offensive line. Listen, a lot of that was Justin Fields' fault. Justin Fields was terrible last season. He was exciting and he was awesome to watch. And part of that was because he had the most sacks in the NFL. 
He had the highest percentage of turnover-worthy plays in the NFL. His sack rate, by the way, last season was 13.3%. The next highest was 10%. Justin Fields was second to last in completion percentage. He was absolutely terrible, but he set the NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback, and he was exciting as hell. So how do we parse what Justin Fields was for fantasy and for excitement versus what he was for the team's winning and losing record when you look at him from a dynasty perspective? Well, the the sack rate is what I'm more concerned about than anything else. Because um, if you look at Fields as a prospect going back to Ohio State, uh, this this might not be accurate, but I, I believe it is that he's literally the most accurate quarterback PFF has ever charted in the college era that they've been doing this. Um, I saw that recently. Uh, he was amazing at Ohio State, except he had one huge flaw. He took a ton of sacks at Ohio State just like he does uh, with Chicago. Um, I'm not that concerned about his, the rest of his game. I like, I, I think he can clean, like, I think he can clean up the accuracy issues. Um, I think he can, uh, you know, I, I think he already is getting better at going through progressions and stuff like that. Um, but he does take way too many sacks and it, that was a problem dating back to college and, I, I think I think there's a good chance he's going to improve uh, just because the bar is so low right now, like all those numbers that you just mentioned. It, it would be it would be very surprising to me if he didn't improve a little bit, especially with the uh, addition of DJ Moore. Um, but you st- but the problem with him is you can't improve a little. He needs to take a giant leap to get to kind of where we want him to be, which is league average or, you know, slightly above league average uh, passing the ball. I, I think yeah. you can get there. I, I, I'm still kind of bullish on fields, but uh, there's not a real good case to make for the NFL out right now. But I would say I think this is the first year since he's been in the league that they're giving him a professional offensive cast to work with. Yeah, and, and just to talk about just how insane the difference between his college and pro production was <laughs> – First of all, just a reminder, he was at Ohio State, so he was at a major conference school, you know, playing against the best teams in the country, playing in the in the playoffs. Um, his touchdown interception ratio at Ohio State was 56 to 4, which is a college football record. His big time throw rate to turnover worthy play rate was 8.6% to 1.8%. So he had basically five times as many big throws as backwards is a way to think about that. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the pros, his touchdown interception rate is 24 to 21, basically one to one. And his big time throw to turnover worthy throw rate is 4.9 to 4.1. Again, that's basically one to one. So he went from a five to one player and the TD rate 15 to one to a one to one. And that is like, just sums up what's happened with Justin Fields. Completion percentage of 59% last year was worst in the NFL. Um, in college, he had a completion percentage of over 70%, and it was 78% his last year at Ohio State. So he has it in him. I don't think he's lost it. However, there's a lot of pressure on Justin Fields. I know people talk about him like the Messiah, but if the Bears only win three games again because Justin Fields is who he was last season, then the clock might strike midnight immediately. Yeah, and I I mean, to that to that point, uh, go like with the Packers uh, and Love. I said uh, the one the one thing I do know about Jordan Love is that, however good he is, Matt Lafleur is going to get that out of him. Um, I'm very confident in that. With the Bears, I feel the opposite. I, yeah. There's no reason to trust Matt Eberflus as a good coach. He might be a good coach. I don't know if he is or not. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that anyone should have a strong opinion on that after last year. Um, I pull Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, was pretty transparent before last season that they were going to be bad, and they were. Um, and this year, it looks like they're trying to be a little bit more competitive. Uh, and I, I don't know what to expect of Luke Etsy, their offensive coordinator, came from Green Bay. I don't know anything about him. Um, I wasn't, you know, studying their assistant coaches that closely when I was uh, when he was there, but. 
Uh, I just don't know. I just don't know anything about this coaching staff. And uh, to to me, that's a huge question mark when it comes to developing a quarterback. If Fields was in Green Bay, I would have a lot less concern about him. Or if he yeah, was in Miami with Mike McDaniel, something like that. Yeah, and, and Justin Fields, obviously, we know he was a prolific rusher last year. Um, but it, it's it's hard to think that that will continue, that that is sustainable for this year, both in terms of efficiency and just the raw number of attempts. So he only had 318 passing attempts last year, and he had 160 rushing attempts, half as many rushing attempts as passing attempts. That rush rate is significantly uh, first in the NFL last year. Obviously, it was effective for him. He rushed at 7.1 yards per attempt with eight touchdowns. He had a few massive plays. However, I just have to think that that is not sustainable over a long period of time. And I'm sure it's not what the what the team wants of him because that's not how you run a successful offense. And the Bears, to be clear, were not a successful offense last year. Um, we mentioned that they led the league in sack rate. Uh, they only ran 58 and a half plays a game. They only scored 37 touchdowns. Um, and they really ran the ball at the highest rate in the NFL. 56% of their total plays last year uh, were rushing plays. A lot of that having to do with fields, but even their neutral pass rate uh, was in the bottom three of the league. So I don't expect that to change a ton. I do think they're going to rely on the run quite a bit as well this season. Um, but perhaps they'll switch a little bit more. And, and that brings me to... Uh, the wide receivers of this team. And the big acquisition is DJ Moore. They also have Chase Claypool for a full season. My projection on these guys might seem a little bit low. So I'm interested in your opinion. Um, I had DJ Moore projected for 75, 1,005, which puts him as a, you know, mid-low wide receiver three. I have Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool each at about 600 yards, pretty much useless in fantasy. Is that is that too low? Am I too much of a pessimist here? No, I would say I would say the projections look right. Um, I mean, uh, to your point, I mean, you have uh, Fields projected for 454 attempts, so I mean, you're giving him quite a boost uh, in terms of pass attempts, and that's still going to be you know solidly below league average. Um, but. Uh, no, unfortunately, the projections do look right. I, uh, you know, it's kind of been a theme, especially uh, the best ball drafters. It's been a big thing with uh, them. I've, I've noticed uh, is people love they love drafting fields, and there's nobody to stack them with because yeah. DJ like all those options seem overvalued and. There's just not a lot of meat on the passing bone. Um, DJ Moore's upside just isn't high enough, right? Like I'm, I'm giving Justin Fields 22 passing touchdowns on only 450 attempts, and that touchdown rate is in the 78th percentile. Like I'm, I'm doing what I can there, but DJ Moore has not—he's not played with great quarterbacks. We know that, and I'm giving him, you know, his 20%, 26% target rate. It's just. I don't see this being a prolific or an efficient passing offense. So I don't like the value um, in redraft. He's going at wide receiver 25, 26, depending where you look. I don't like that value. Um, I don't like where he's going in dynasty either, where he's wide receiver 22 going in the same range as guys like Judy and Addison, uh, who I much prefer over DJ Moore. So uh, as well as Christian Watson, who we touched on. I would say the only thing with DJ Moore about the projections, like the 75 for a thousand, I, I could see it being more like 65 for 1100. Um, yeah. I do, yeah. I do think they're going to use him downfield a lot. Um, and that is where fields can throw the ball. Um, DJ Moore is really good at tracking downfield, uh, downfield passes and, uh, and fields that's where he is good at. Um, I, I, and again, with the numbers in the NFL, I don't even know if they show that, but I am very confident Fields can throw a nice, accurate deep ball. I, that's the one part of his game I have zero questions about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as far as as far as far Justin Fields. And DJ Moore showed that ability early in his career to be excellent at the deep ball. So this is an interesting stat I was looking at earlier. Um, the percentage of total, of total DJ Moore receptions that went for 30-plus yards – in 2018, it was 9%, 2019, 9%, 2020, it was 17%. And then the last two years, it's been 2% and 6%. So 
he has fallen off as that deep threat over the last few seasons. And without oh. those long, without those long passes, he went from a career high of 18 yards per catch in 2020 all the way down to only 12.4 in 2021 and 14.1 in 2022. So if he can repeat his 2020, where he had 66 catches for 1,200 yards, which is basically the projection that you just said, then then absolutely it, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, are you interested in any of the other pass catchers in this offense? Not really, but uh, one pass catcher I'm kind of interested in at the price um, that I was surprised Valus Jones was listed over is Tyler Scott. I mm-hmm. do uh, expect Tyler Scott to be more involved in the offense than Bayless Jones this year. Um, and it would not surprise me if Tyler Scott ended up with like, I had probably not second, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up third on the team in targets by the end of the year. Um, oh, I, interesting. I mean, I, I think that Claypool is getting a lot of buzz in camp. I, I don't see him it, like, falling behind Tyler Scott. I mean, I, I only give Bayless Jones uh, 16 touches in the season, but yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, it wasn't a lot. Yeah, yeah, I should have clarified that. It was a small you know, number. But, but Tyler Scott's a good shout, though. Uh, to tell me a little bit about him, because I'm honestly not too familiar. So, I mean, I'm not that familiar either. From uh, from what I understand, he's a deep threat, um, and that's another thing that I like about him. He's got a lot of speed. Um, I want to say he played at Cincinnati. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, just just from what I've seen, uh, he he stood out. He's making a lot of noise at uh, training camp. I I personally don't have any respect for Chase Claypool. I think he's a clown as a person. Uh, I, I don't think he takes his craft seriously. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Ex- I don't expect him to ever really be. Yeah, he's good enough. Maybe he will get his 75 useless targets or whatever this year. But I just don't look at him as the type of person that's going to hold anybody behind him back. Um, So if Tyler Scott is flashing and, um, you know, I think there's a role for him as that, you know, deep threat uh, field field stretcher, which, you know, Mooney can do too. But Mooney, I feel like, has some limitations where, like, Mooney is great at separation, but I don't trust his hands at all. Um, And he's been kind of up and down. I, I I would definitely trust Mooney a lot more than Claypool though in terms yeah, of like, no, me, who the second option is in the offense. Me too. And I and I and I do have Mooney for a significantly higher amount of targets. I, I think that he he's the better bet there. He he's been earning targets at you know 26, 27% compared to Claypool's 20%. Um and I agree, like he's just he's just a harder worker. I think he's a more refined player than Claypool is. Um Claypool's, by the way, has been getting a lot of hype, and I would sell hard on that hype. I, he's not going to be worth a lot right now, but uh, people are back to, you know, including him in offers as a potential flyer, as a potential guy to provide, you know, that last over the top piece. Um, if he starts moving up into, you know, around 14, 15, I would definitely start uh, start getting rid of him as soon as possible. Um, let's talk a little bit about the backfield split. I'm honestly not interested in anyone in this backfield for this season, definitely. Um, I don't really see a path for any of them to have significant fantasy value just because we saw the last few seasons, David Montgomery and um, Khalil Herbert got a perfect two to one split on drives. I expect it'll be similar, but possibly even worse because it could be a two to one split with Herbert and Foreman with Johnson playing on third down. So do you see any value in this backfield? Not really. Um, I was not really high on any of the running backs, uh, you know, before this podcast, before you sent me your projections. And even still, seven points per game for Khalil Herbert stood out to me. I was like, man, that is that's depressing right there. Like, because you I mean, you get you have him for almost eleven hundred rushing yards and seven touchdowns. And that's like, that's pretty. Oh, good. no, no, no. That's uh, that's or, just no, I'm sorry. Game. Yeah, I was looking at the wrong, wrong line. You have seven, 740 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, and, and basically what I did is I gave so so last season the running back split was 55%, 35%, 10%. So I, I gave Khalil Herbert 45% because I do think that Roshan and Foreman are gonna get at least 20% of the rushes there. And then I don't think Herbert's gonna get more than you know 20 targets, 25 targets. He doesn't have a receiving upside. 
Justin Fields is either going to run it or take the sack. So he's not going to get a whole lot of targets. So unless he gets 15 touchdowns or something, I don't see how he's possibly going to fall into the top 30 running backs. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I agree. I, I do think Khalil Herbert is the best bet. Um, if somebody is going to get 65% of, uh, you know, the carry non-fields carries, I think it's going to be him. Um, but, uh, but I, but I, I think your projections are right though. Like, I mean, for Foreman has forced his way onto the field the last couple spots he's been at, like he's like annoyingly good kind of like, he's good. Uh, yeah in terms of like dynasty and fantasy people don't want to like value him but he's legitimately good um i don't have that much interest in roshan johnson either though i i guess he's supposed to have like that set that role that separates him long down and distance and be the pass like third down back and he's supposedly great at pass protection from what i've seen he's better in the pass game than herbert and uh foreman but to your point, I don't expect Fields to ever really utilize that too often. So, No, I mean, even at Ohio State, he didn't utilize it a lot. Um, the Bears only had 60 targets to running backs last season. I, I don't see that improving by that much. Um, let's move on to the lightning round. Who is the best dynasty value here? Uh, that one's tough. Uh, I think it. I think it's Tyler Scott. I'm, I'm kind of a okay. fan of I'm a fan of Tyler Scott. I don't think there's a lot of great values on the team, though. No, no, me too. I I, I like that pick. Um, I don't have any other better ones, to be honest. I'd like like maybe Deontay Foreman because I if if either Herbert or Johnson goes down, I could see Foreman getting the two thirds role. Maybe he could be a wide receiver or running back four. I, I don't know. There's not really a good answer there. Uh, who's the worst dynasty value? So I mean, say it. Get it. I've always been a Fields guy, but oh yeah, Fields is Fields like like we've talked about this. Fields is arguably the most the riskiest person in Dynasty right now. Uh, to me, it would be him, Kelsey, or CMC in terms of guys that could just lose two plus first round uh, picks of value. So I, I think you have to go Fields. I would say DJ Moore is a pretty terrible value, like he's been the last few years. Uh, he's to me, he's one of those guys that's always going to be valued higher than his production. Um, but I, Fields has to be the answer, I think. Yeah, I think the answer is Fields as well. I actually um, acquired Fields recently in a league and then immediately traded him. Um, just used him as a vessel for value because I, I agree. He's just – he's so risky because he could put up 25 points a game Um Maybe maybe not 25, maybe 23 or 24 points a game, uh, just given how good of a rusher he is. But he's such a risky player. So I, I, I traded him in that deal. I traded Fields in my own first, which will be late, um, and a second for uh, Joe Burrow and DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like I, I want safety if I'm going to have, you know, three to four firsts of value soaked up in one player. I need some level of safety. And out of the top 10 players, he's the player that I'm least confident. Yeah, and uh, in that in that league uh, earlier this offseason that we're in, uh, that Will Ferrell league, I, I made that huge trade with like Fields, Olave, Waddle, Pitts for Burrow, Chase, uh, Andrews back, and it was all like, hey, just give me the safe guys. I know Burrow, Chase, and Andrews are going to be awesome this year. Uh, so I, I I don't hate that. I, I like. Uh, I like adding something to Fields to get the security of someone in that Burrow Herbert. Uh, you know, Lamar, even Lamar range. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And, and Lawrence is someone that if you can add a second and get to, I would do as well. Um, next question is any player on waivers that you should pick up? It sounds like Tyler Scott's your guy. Yeah. Uh, Ty, yeah. Tyler Scott. And I can't, I can't really think of another guy. Uh, yeah. No, me that, neither. The, these offenses that aren't that prolific, it's just like, there aren't that many guys that are useful. I, if you're in a shorter bench dynasty, like 22 rounds, it's possible Deontay Foreman's there, but otherwise. Uh, yeah, yeah, rounds. Foreman. But yeah, I mean, like I have zero interest in, you know, their backup QB. I think it's PJ Walker right now. I, I don't even yeah. know if that's still right. But yeah, they're they're like Tanyan, their backup tight end that they got from Green Bay. Zero interest in that guy. So there's just no flyers I see really on the team, except Scott, who's probably not in the traditional 30 
man waiver. He's probably not on waivers, but he is damn near free if you go and inquire about him or tag him on yeah. the deal. Definitely. Um, prediction for win-loss record. Um, I would have him kind of the same as Green Bay, 7-10, and 10, uh, maybe 8-9, and nine, but I, I would say 7-10. and 10. Yeah, And maybe. a lot of it is I just don't uh, – I, I put a lot of value on coaching in the NFL, and I, I I don't know if they have a good coach. I don't even know if they have, like, a slightly below-average coach. For all I know, Matt Eberflus is terrible, like Mark Tressman bad. To me, we just don't know because he didn't really have a team that was capable of winning last year. So pretty – I mean, pretty it's, it's, it's possible this team is below-average on offense, defense, and coaching staff. And and when that's the case, I'm going to predict you to be under 500. So I, I agree there. Do you have any questions for me about the Bears? Um, I mean, just, so what do you think their ultimate ceiling is? Cause I feel like we've been pretty negative on them and I'm, I'm not that negative on the bears overall. I don't think maybe I am after talking it out, but like, I, I if this team goes 12 and five, I don't think it should surprise anybody. Okay. So I'm going to do some live modeling here. If we give them league average plays per game, and if we give them, 25th percentile pass rate. So not even that good. Yeah. Justin Fields had a 59% complete, sorry, 60% completion percentage last year. My projections had him at 62. Let's move him up to 63. At that point, Justin Fields is now 22 points a game. So this is kind of the optimistic take where he's throwing 500 attempts. He's getting 1,200 rushing yards still. He's getting 3,700 passing yards. Even in that optimistic scenario, I have DJ Moore at 13.3 points a game. So that's why I just don't see an upside for these passing weapons outside of Justin Fields. Even if Fields hits something's close to his ceiling, it's it's not going to be what Lamar was, right? Lamar was the most hyper-efficient touchdown rate player that we've ever seen. And I just don't think that the Bears have that good of weapons. And I don't think that they have the coaching. And I don't think that Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson. So I think it's going to have to take a change of quarterback for DJ Moore to ever return on the value that we've been hoping for him. Because if you're 26 years old and let's say your 80th percentile outcome is what I just plugged in, only gets you to be the wide receiver 22 in redraft, then you should not be there in dynasty because that means you're overpriced, right? Because you're at the age curve and your optimistic outcome is only barely better than your dynasty value. So that's why I think he's a sell and that's why I think the Bears are largely a sell. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I I don't like, uh, to your point, I don't think it's, you you can't really make too bullish of cases with, with the passing game, but real life, I can see a scenario where they are league average defensively they have the best running game in the league again. Uh, they are an efficient passing offense that, that you know, isn't prolific. And, you know, they win 11 or 12 games in a bad division. Um, I, I think there's a reasonable, decent ceiling outcome. And, you know, Eberflus Eber, Eber and Getze are, you know. I, they- I, I, I can't see 11 or 12. I, I could see 10, and maybe they win the division with 10. Um, you think that's like their absolute ceiling, 10 and 7? I do. I do. I, I don't, I don't see a higher, a higher outcome than that. Um, yeah. I mean, they were literally the worst team in the league last year. I guess that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, predicting a six win improvement as, as a ceiling isn't, isn't really hating on them in any way. No. Um, before we go, I had one question for you. I just got a trade offer. It's very interesting. Uh, complete non sequitur here. It doesn't involve any of these players. I have been entering a rebuild, uh, blowing up my team. I've sent you some of these offers that I had today, trading like Pollard and Pittman, that Quentin Johnson deal. Um, Those were all in here. So so I I traded like Pollard, Pittman, Elijah Moore, a bunch of guys, got basically Chris Olave, Quentin Johnson, trying to get uh, younger. So I'm being offered Damian Pierce, who is not a guy I own any of, for (laughs) David Njoku and Cortland Sutton. this would be a total pure value play. Damian Pierce is going in the fifth round of startups, but you can never get that much for him on the trade block. Cortland right. Sutton's basically useless. So is like the pure value play of Najoku to Pierce worth it? Or am I just going to get stuck with Pierce? Man, that, 
especially a running back is tough to sell on a rebuild. Exactly. Yeah. Um, man, people are down on Njoku. Uh, well, that, that's my perception anyway. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, in a lot of trade talks recently. Um, I yeah, I'd be tempted to take it. I mean, Sutton is literally a zero. People people will just at, give him to you if you ask for him politely. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I listed Sutton in this lead that I would take any third round pick for him, and it's been five hours, and I this is the first yeah. offer I've gotten. So yeah, Sutton is worthless. But I, in startup, in Go startup, Samian Pierce is going at the six oh two, and David Njoku is going at the nine oh eight. So it's a three round jump for basically nothing, but. Like, if I look at the wide receivers going in the range as Pierce, mm-hmm. um, do you think I could actually get any of these guys one for one? Uh, Christian Watson, Jerry no. Judy, Gwen Johnston, Jordan Addison, DJ Moore. No. 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 Calvin Ridley. No. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman. Just stop me when I say one. Uh, uh, I think you, I, I, I think you could get Pittman, maybe. People are kind of down on him. Yeah, Pittman uh, sounds hey, Debo wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'm I, I love Debo, but people are down on Debo too. But in a rebuild, if I'm looking for youth, remember? Yeah, you don't want I, Debo. I can't get Pickens. I can't get Traylon Burks. I doubt I could get Jahan Dotson, but maybe that's where Zay Flowers. Maybe that's where it starts to turn. I Zay Flowers was the name that came to mind. Like, can you? But like, I I would still do it though. I I think I would still take Pierce because. Uh, even in season, right? Um, yeah. No, I think I'll probably take it. It's just a free move up. I mean, I, I actually earlier today, so I, I traded Pollard and Pittman for CJ Stroud and then immediately flipped him for Chris Olave, which, which was awesome because I'm punting yeah, back was... here and, and got a free round of value. Okay. Uh, apologies for the non sequitur. I, I think I'm going to take this right now. Uh, thank you very much for joining me to break down these teams. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, nice to talk to you after uh, talking to you like every day for the last three years in this uh, in this group chat. Uh, yeah. So th- thanks thanks for being on. You want to tell people where they can follow you? Oh yeah, uh, I'm just on Twitter uh, at Dynasty Peasant. Just how it sounds uh, is the Twitter handle. And you know I'm not much of a I'm not a content creator, but you'll find me you know in Twitter threads commenting on uh, people that are content creators work. So. Yeah, and just, uh, just an overall good guy to talk to. So uh, definitely, definitely reach out to Matt if you're trying to talk backers for sure. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We'll be back with more team previews shortly. Uh, appreciate all of you. Listening.